are back in the football shed. And Jose's gone. Jose's gone, everyone. Jose's gone. Just want to put it out there straight I didn't away. Take you long. No, Jose's gone. Just letting everyone know. In case you haven't heard, Jose Mourinho is no longer manager of Man United. I'm very happy. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And my name's John Hewitt, and I'm very happy that Jose is gone. <laughs> um, welcome to the football shed. We are a weekly podcast by three English blokes that live in Melbourne. One of which is very happy that Jose Mourinho is gone. Uh, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review to tell your mates, subscribe. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed Podcast and we will appear. And we start with a question every week. It's not about Jose Mourinho, but in case you didn't know, he's gone. <laughs> This isn't going to get old, is it? No. Um, but this week, The Guardian have been releasing their top 100 male footballers in the world. And Jordan Pickford is in there. What number did Jordan Ooh. Pickford get? Oh, I read this today. In the whole world, of all the players in the whole world, where's Jordan Pickford? It's not age. It's not top 100 under 23 players or whatever. It's top 100 players. He's players. a new entry. He's England's highest new entry. Um, 74. Uh, it's higher. It's, I think it's 65. 65. Spot yeah. on, Rog. Wow. I read it today. Um, he is above James Rodriguez, Leonardo Bonucci, Diego Costa, Gonzalo Higuain and Mesut Ozil. That is amazing. It's like... That's um, actually amazing. Ozil only just crept in. Yeah, yeah Ozil was 99 or 100, yeah. I think. He oozled in there. <laughs> he <did>. Oozled. <laughs> He oozled his way in. But I just thought it was amazing that he's that high. Yeah, good on him. Do you know what I think's amazing? Mm-hmm. I saw a mm-hmm. um, a middle-aged bloke, right? Uh, obviously, he was ginger, but he wasn't... Like, he wasn't obviously. Obviously. Because all middle-aged men are ginger. No, no. I mean, was it dirt? he was trying to hide it, but he had, you know, the short, curly, tight, hair, bit receding. Oh, ginger tosser. Yeah, like, hi- hiding his ginger. <laughs> yeah. Right, probably... In his late thirties, early forties, yeah. just on the curb waiting to cross the road. Was it like that guy from the Full Monty? Uh, I can't, Im- can't the, remember the fat one. No, the ginger one. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's waiting to cross the road on a unicycle. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> like fuck off! Who are you? You're not a kid. You're not in the circus. You're waiting to cross the road. Fuck off! What you can he, drive. What, what you can drive, or you can ride a bike. Because it's it's obviously hard. Like you're watching him try and balance. He's going back and forth. He's putting all of this energy. But he might be a clown in his spare time. Well, then doing his spare time. Stop using it to commute. He's on a unicycle. <laughs> he might in be public. going to circus practice. No, you see, I, you see them every no, now in the I, city. I, you, oh, fuck off! Then <laughs> like, surely you can think of. Some other way to move from A to B. You can go on the pavement on a unicycle. Well, he was. Yeah. Trying to trying to balance whilst waiting for the. the if I was like front of the queue, I'd have gone for him. Have I you ever seen the guys that ride round on the really really tall bikes? Oh, that yeah. is so that is in my top three fuck off pile with <laughs> unicycles. I saw one the other day, and I'm like, how would how do you get up? How do you get down? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, are you, do you want people to come up and talk to you about it? And you know, the likelihood is those blokes on the really really tall bikes. That if you went up and went, oh, I like your really tall bike. They're too cool to talk to you. They'll be like, oh, you know, it's just it's what I ride. It's what, what I choose to ride. Like, just maybe you should talk get to them. Maybe they're really nice. No. You never know. I'm driving. How around. do you feel about segways? I actually quite like a segway. <laughs> I quite like a well, segway. On the segway, let's talk about football. <laughs> um, Rod, you won. Yeah. What would you like to talk about first? Well, I think we should start with the. Um, burning issue from I'm glad you didn't choose Huddersfield v Newcastle yeah well look I mean we haven't been able to talk about United for quite a long time now because of the situation there so I feel like now we can finally talk about United for a week without you you know getting angry and we've actually lucked out because Jeff was sick on Tuesday so we delayed the pod till Thursday and the news came out on Tuesday evening so we would have been out of date by the time everyone had heard this. So actually, as al- as always, yes. So I'd like to start. Uh, let's go back to where it started, which was the Liverpool game, the beginning mm. of the end, yeah. and then I think we'll obviously talk about some of the, yeah. the repercussions. But I'm just going to read a passage from something I was I was reading about the game at the time. So cool. uh, this was beyond dire. 
Dire squared. Dire football played in dire fashion by a dire selection. Imagine a bad plan enacted badly by someone not very good at enacting bad plans. Imagine a negative approach applied with an extreme negativity by a group of players feeling negative about the actual merits of all this negativity. Why would anyone want to keep doing this? Is Mourinho enjoying it? Even United starting eleven was a deathly thing, with seven of the ten starting outfield players either defenders or defensive midfielders. <laughs> Is that Barney Rowe? So I just yeah, I just <laughs> I just so read good. that and I was like, you could read the match report, but that essentially yeah. sum, sums it up. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, this is the biggest game of the season for a, a true Man United fan yeah. is playing Liverpool. Yeah. Man United had six shots in the entire game. Liverpool had thirty six, <laughs> and this like the scoreline flattered Man United. Oh, like I, I think this, this was an an, this was an annihilation. Yeah. It was like Liverpool just looked like they were playing um, football at an entirely different level. And I think, I mean, I just I was my my dad's a big Liverpool fan, and I could just tell how happy he was that like <laughs> uh, you know this is as bad as it gets for a United yeah. fan, and and as good as it gets for a Liverpool fan in terms of being top of the league and yeah. you know sticking the boot into United. But I you can understand why that was the end. And the last two seasons when we've played Liverpool away from home, because um, Liverpool haven't actually beaten Man United for a it's long time, seven games, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but the last two seasons, United have gone to. Anfield under Mourinho first season we were struggling a bit but we so were Liverpool but we didn't go oh let's try and win it we just went and got a draw nil nil last season we went and we were second in the league and Liverpool were fifth or sixth and not really starting off too well and we had been winning three or four nil scoring a lot of late goals in games so it looked it flattered us a bit but we were doing well Mourinho goes and defends and just sets up defensive shot nil nil and like that, said, that was the beginning of it. Like we yeah. we talked about it. It's like you, I think you put quite a lot of weight in that performance because you. I felt like United were on a roll coming into that game, and then Mourinho's approach then just completely stopped it. And then it, it is. I, I maybe I I think I agree with you in that perhaps that was the start of things just well, not that, working at that point. Um, Pogba was playing well Lukaku had just come into the side and was scoring Rooney had gone Zlatan had gone so there was this kind of it was a new wave and it felt like this is Mourinho's team started the season really well and then he went and did that and it just killed any enthusiasm for the fans it killed any confidence in the players and it slowly has just got worse and worse and worse and worse he had to go now a lot of people might say the players should try harder and they should put more effort in and stuff but they have been bullied for two and a half, three years and they've run out of energy and you can tell they're just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to be here. And yes, they get paid very well and they're privileged because they get to play football and that's a wonderful thing and great. But if you're just getting bullied every day at work and pushed and told to do this and that and you can't do anything that you love about the game of football... No wonder you're not going to put the effort yeah, in. I think all those arguments about, you know, they get paid enough and, and they're privileged. You can just shelf all of that. It's all completely relative. Yeah. They're footballers. Their job is playing football. Yeah. They play for football managers. Yeah. That, that's the world they know. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, someone in uh, a, a country, a third world country looking at you going, well, you know, how could you be miserable at work when, when you've got a home to go to? Yeah. You know, it's the same. It's, it's a completely useless argument. Yeah. They're footballers and they're miserable playing in the style of football. So in the office block that they happen yeah. to be working in, in their office job, they're miserable. So it's very hard to do your job well when you're miserable. Absolutely right. I think um, <clears throat> I'm quite disappointed in what way? Because now United might take your well, sixth spot. No, no. <laughs> that sixth spot is Everton's. Uh, but I just think that, you know, how many times do I say every week on the pod that you only get one life here, right? <laughs> so you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. Now, I reckon there were more people happy when United were crap than... Oh, yeah, I've been, just, enjoy- I've been enjoying every minute. Than, yeah. than, than, so there are more people who don't like United than people who do like United. Yeah, okay. So there was a, a wider proportion of the population that was happy this year than people that were sad so right now we have a chance that the the larger proportion of the world is going to be sad 
And the smaller proportion will be happy. So I think just before Christmas, we've done a bad thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> happened to him twice too. Um, I, just before, we'll talk about more about Mourinho and, um, well, I don't know if you want yeah. it, but I want to get your thoughts on whether you think, I know <clears throat> your you feelings on Mourinho are clear, but whether you also think that there's more going on there that needs to be fixed as well. Like a number of um, ex-United players have come out since Mourinho's been sacked mm. and essentially ins- insinuated that there needs to be more change because it shouldn't stop at Mourinho. Uh, a lot of that goes back to Woodward, who's yeah. always been the Glazier's man. Mm. Um, Glazier? Know, Glazier. <laughs> he does, um, does your windows. <laughs> um, isn't that what they are? The Glazers. 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 <laughs> um, and... You know, good on the money side, yeah. But it's probably only still there because he is good on the money side, but doesn't really understand football. Like Mar- so, he extended Mourinho's contract in January, yeah. But then didn't let Mourinho sign any players. Now that to me seems a bit odd, and I, I didn't know this, but there's what another one that I read. Like, so you know, if you think of United's heyday, it was all built on um, you know class of '92 young. Mm. Um, you know, lo- local goal. lads yeah. coming through, youth, the youth yeah. team products, yeah. and that's gone. And apparently, United scouting network since Ferguson's gone has just died because Ferguson had so much control over everything. But the the academy system at Man United is so bad that apparently Darren Fletcher and Wayne Rooney refused to send their kids there and sent them to the academy at Man City mm. because yeah. it was so much better. And the Man City academy pay the kids school fees even if the kids drop out yeah, of wow. the academy. And apparently Rooney, when Rooney left to go to Everton, he'd raised it while he was at United, but he also raised it when he left and to essentially say, look, there's some things here within the fabric of the club that are broken. I'm sending my kid yeah. to a local rival's <laughs> academy because ours isn't being run very well. I think that's a bad thing. And so, I mean, I... When somebody leaves an organisation that has had so much control and is in every aspect of the club, and then you just remove them, mm. and you also remove the person that had the second most control very shortly after, yeah, David, David Gill. Gill, and then you just try and continue as normal, perhaps we shouldn't be that surprised that things have been difficult. And I, I so I think a lot... Of, you can put all this blame on Mourinho, but I think a lot of it also has to go on the hierarchy of the club. Yeah, I, I do agree. When we lost Ferguson and David Gill, they're both... Obviously, Fergie's a football man, but David Gill was worked in football for years and years and years and is on the board for UEFA and the FA and stuff. And he's immersed in football... Um, Woodward is a commercial man like he's a money man he's a businessman he's made a lot of money for a lot of people over the years doesn't have a football brain or not such a football brain but has run a football club he's an accountant in New York yeah so fucking that's so removing those two out of the club and in reality Ferguson did do everything he was the technical director yeah. and the manager and the coach and did everything what I think United need to do is get as many people who were in that era back into the club as quickly as possible. The people like Paul Scholes, who have just been pushed away. Ryan Giggs has now disappeared. He should be back in the club. He's gone to Wales. Do you see he's come over from Australia? Uh, yeah, Mike Phelan is back. <laughs> yes. no, I, I, I just, so wait, let me finish. Okay, John. Um, Roger's question went on for 30 minutes, so <laughs> I'm going to have a 30-minute answer. But uh, So I think that they need to start bringing back that... that ethic of people that were there under the Ferguson years know what the club is and know how to win at that club and know what it means to the local community that's been lost now I like the fact that they've brought Mike Phelan back Ollie Solskjaer I'm not sure if it's the best decision but he does understand the club and he will play attacking football and as a stopgap as a person who's not He's in a job, but it's the off-season in the Norwegian league, yeah. so he doesn't actually have to go back to work until March. Molder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been there five or six years. Had a little stint at Cardiff, which didn't go very well. Um, I think it's a good start to get things back up and running. Nicky Butt's there as the under-21s coach, um, and he still obviously has those connections with the other guys around. There needs a lot of investment 
in the academy. But he's raised a lot of issues with it apparently internally. Yeah, that, and that haven't been picked up on. And yet. I think the more that I think they're realizing now that these have to be done because we're not going anywhere. And I think they will bring a technical director, football manager type person who sits above everything. Um, and I think that needs to happen and they need to bring back in ex-pros. I disagree with you. Uh, I don't think that um, bringing back ex-pros is, is the way forward at all. I, I think um, just on Ryan Giggs, so, so Ryan Giggs disappeared. It's, it's come out this week that Mourinho didn't want Giggs in his backroom staff because he slept with his brother's missus. Yeah. And he said that he couldn't be trusted. That's the, that's what came out this no, week. No, but that's just you can't judge someone I, on their personal. Well, life I'm not saying that was the right. I'm not saying that yeah. was the right thing to do. But that's the reason yeah. why he's. So yeah. that's you know sub point. Um, if you were going to bring back ex Man United pros that win things, do do it with people with managerial experience. Bring a bring Mark Hughes or Steve Bruce. They used to play for Man United club legends, and they they've managed at the top level. But it's not about bringing managers; it's about an ethic. So, so then you you look at other examples. You look at when Shearer went to Newcastle. I don't think that you know you bring back that ethic yeah. of what the club was, and and actually it's a complete disaster. Yeah, I don't not, think that but the, not at that level. What I'm saying is, you, if you have Paul Scholes as an ambassador of the club, and he's around the club, and he takes sessions for the academy, and he's te- doing sessions with the young players to tell them how important it is to play for the club. It's not about them being the main man or the top man. It's about having... Liverpool do it really it's well. the identity of the club. Ian Rush is still in that club every day. And Jamie Carragher is still in that... It's that constant... Where's Gary Neville? He's got a great football brain. He's disappeared. He should be in that club every day. I do, I do see what you mean, but that's not a solution. That's a, that's a messaging tool. That, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a way to engage... Your your multi age grouped academy is a way to engage the public, but that's not a structural solution. No. What's wrong with United is United is run in in tandem. First, we all know it's run like a business with shareholders and needs profit margins. We all know that, and everyone's you know yeah. we coined that. Being Wood, a Woods come out and said it, the foot, the football the results don't matter. That's exactly right. You know you, you'd argue that this week was a good week for Manchester United because of the publicity that this got. And if you're a sponsor, look at the click through rate that you're getting on your on your Adidas shirt. That makes sense, you know, from a business side. So that's one half of the tandem. The other half is an outdated football model, yeah. and that's the model that Ferguson left and. Had hasn't been resolved since he left and there's no there is obviously no overarching plan because if there was you wouldn't have gone from Moyes Louis van Gaal Mourinho with a, a brief stint in the middle of gigs like yeah. it's it's weird there's no strategy so I think that the clubs that you look at these days with modern footballing strategies that are a success are doing much better and I even include clubs in that that the chop and change managers, but keep their ethos like, yeah, like at Chelsea like, or whatever. They win stuff exactly right, yeah. and um and Man City. Yeah. Now you, you'd say that I'm not going to you know Lord Man City because they're doing really well, but you'd say that before Guardiola went to Man City, Man City's plan was to buy players like the type of players that Guardiola would. So when Guardiola went there, everything was set up for his type of football. The academy was set up for that type of football, whether Guardiola came in or not. That type of football was going to be the type of football that got played. Actually, they said, this is what we want to do, and this guy's the best to manage this type of football. Now, United don't have that overarching structure. So they don't just need a, a messaging tool. And I do believe you are yeah. right. It would be better for that club if there were people to re-engage you with the past. Yeah. But there are, there are football fans in this world that... Look at the United States. So it was only 2013 that... Um, CNBC or whatever network in the United States bought the rights to the Premier League. So there, the majority of fans, like if you're in the America, I don't want to make sweeping statements, yeah. but the, it, the Premier League boomed in 2013 in the, yeah. in the US. Those people don't remember Man United. Yes. Yeah. Those people know Man United as a shambolic club yeah. that skips managers and everyone gets told it's the biggest club in the world and they're like, well, yeah. what is this basket case? And they yeah. support Fulham. Yeah. And, and it... We're already past that. So kind of bringing back the messaging, yes, it's a good thing, but it doesn't solve the two problems. It's being run no. like a business and the footballing structure that, that Tottenham have, that Chelsea have, that yeah. that works through managerial transition it is something that is a proven success model. Well, so, I suppose that's what I'm saying. I don't think we should be surprised with the fact that that hasn't necessarily happened at United because of the amount of control that Ferguson had. Now, Ferguson would never have wanted something like that to be implemented while he was in power 
because it was only ever going to be his way yeah. right until the end. All he was interested in was winning that last title. Yeah. I don't think he really cared. And... Yeah, I don't think he necessarily... I mean, obviously he cares about the club, but I don't think he'd thought about that because his mentality was always... He was like the ultimate winner. Mm. So for him, it was just like... I think he struggled. He struggled to think past that point of him finishing. And he had so much power at the club that they didn't feel they could implement something until after he'd gone. And therefore, you're left with this thing of them not being prepared for, for Ferguson to leave. You haven't got the systems in place. You haven't got a plan. You haven't got a strategy. You've then got four different managers that have come in, bought different players. So you've got a mishmash of a squad. And I actually think what John's saying about bringing people back to understand about United and the way United play shows how far behind United are at the mm. moment. Now, I so so this is this is a thing for me and I was thinking about this. I'm like it's not a quick fix was my initial thought in that there is a lot that needs to happen at United in terms of their structure for them to be a challenger yeah, it's again. A long time. Be, it's, it's a long time. It's a long-term yeah. process. But then I also thought we've been talking about Chelsea and and um Arsenal this year. And bringing in new managers like Wenger left and um, Emery's done a great job yeah. at Arsenal. So maybe maybe it can be done to to an extent. And I I understand why they brought in Solskjaer. Um, and I actually I think he's got I think he's got and United have got a bit of a free hit for the rest of the season. And I hope what happens is they essentially go to these players and they say, "You haven't been enjoying life very much for the last two years. <laughs> we know that." Um, you know, there's going to be a long-term plan for the club, but you're all playing for your futures, and we just want you to go out and enjoy it. And I'd, I'd almost, I think, champ, Champions League's probably you tell the players it's gone, and you just say, just go out and enjoy the rest of the year. Best, your best case scenario this season is still making the top four and maybe winning a, a cup. A cup. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I hope that they do take that as a free hit and just go out and play because you've got some good football. I think so. I, I completely agree. I think it's time for them to just go. Let the shackles off, sort out the defence a little bit, and just go, go and play football. And tell Pogba, you're the best midfielder in the world, go and show it, prove everyone wrong, go and... The fact he wasn't, I mean, that was a big indictment on Mourinho to me, is like, you know, there's been all this money spent out and going to buy Pogba, and then when it's coming to your biggest games this year, you're not playing. He's not playing, yeah. My, uh, this is the first time since uh, Fergie left that I actually think the decline is is permanent. Now, yeah, the minute yeah. we talk to talk, yeah, well, that makes me excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's a, it's, a, it's a sweeping statement, but at each managerial change, there's been a okay, we're gonna we're gonna get back our rightful place. It's gonna be quick. We're aiming to win the league. We're we're gonna come second. We're gonna win the Europa League. Or we're, you know, this is what this is what we're aiming for. Our aim is we're Man United, and we should win the league. And and there's part of you that buys into that. There's part of you that goes. Okay, well, why why wouldn't that be their aim? This is the first time that they've they've got rid of a manager, and I look at it and I think the rest of the league is in such good nick, and you are in such a mess that actually the position that you're in right now is not a okay. Well, this is a false position. We actually that's probably right, and to rebuild to to be competitive with the rest of the league. Actually, I think that it, we're going to be in the doldrums for a bit. Uh, this is the beginning. Like, we wonder what it was like when, you know, we don't wonder, but some of us can remember, when, when Liverpool were winning league after league and, and were the most, one of the best clubs in Europe. And you're like, well, you know, the, the few years after that, two years after that, it was still like, well, we should be winning the league, we're the best club in Europe. Six, seven, eight years after that, still not winning the league, suddenly they realise that actually this is the new normal and what do we need to do in our football club to recreate or get back to where we think we should be? Yeah. And after 20 years, yeah. it still feels a bit like, well, are yeah. we ever going to get there? And this is the first time since Fergie that I think that United are now at that stage of football club. Yeah. Where, where I think, I, I completely agree. I think we won't win the league in the next five years. I'm convinced of that. Like, but I think we need to have a five-year plan Agreed, to win yeah. the league in five years' to time. To start, yeah. Like, because what we could do is come second next year and then it all goes wrong again because we've spent £400 million player, pounds on certain players or whatever and then you just go through that cycle and it all goes wrong again. You need to have, in five years' time, 
we're winning the league and we also have youth players coming through and we have a succession plan for coaches, etc. And it needs to be an actual plan. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Would you have Gareth Southgate as your manager? Oh, God, yeah. In a second. But it it, it does. I, will, I would just... Cal- I, I hope that's the case and Man United are in the doldrums for five years <laughs> I, would, I would caveat it with United are a bit different in that you they have so much money and you know support base and power that the same rules perhaps don't apply like you yeah. know I, 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 when you were saying about that the club I was also thinking about was Spurs in that we still sort of write off Spurs a bit as you know like we they haven't spent enough money and um, this season and are they really going to challenge and, and so on and I think part of that is because it's ingrained in us that Spurs are always a bit flaky as it's ingrained in us because we grew up with United being so dominant that we expect normality to resume and United to be good but actually Spurs are a very well run football club and they're really good and they're going to be up there challenging So, so talk to an American who only got into the Premier League in 2013 and ask them what they think of Man United and ask them whether they think Man United are going to win the league in the next five years. They will agree with you, John. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. put words in their mouth, but that is my assumption. Yeah. My assumption is that they will think Tottenham are a very well-run club uh, who that play dynamic football, that are always challenging, and that were unlucky a few years ago. Yeah. They will probably think Liverpool are one of the most exciting football clubs in the world, but if you remember... Six, seven years ago, it wasn't even that. Like when Roy Hodgson was manager, Liverpool were finishing under Everton two years yeah. in a row. Yeah, like it's it's hard to change your mindset, but modern football changes so quickly, and there's so much resource there that actually the tradition and, and the the habit you have when you think about a football club, you might have to pinch yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, it's fascinating. I, I just, I mean, from a, oh, from a purely football perspective, and I mean, I enjoy it because I don't particularly like United and you know we put up with their success for so long but it's fascinating to see it all happening and because it gets so much attention and I'm I like as a non-United fan I'm excited to see what this next phase is yeah I like we've got to move on from Man United but the last thing I'm going to say is that when I woke up Wednesday morning after knowing the news Tuesday evening it was the first time I woke up in a long time as a Man United fan and going Oh, I'm looking forward to the game this weekend. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely... Yeah. We're playing Cardiff at 4.30 in the morning, Sunday night, Monday morning. I might watch that because I'm just... I want to see what happens. And you know, when I said when I started this by saying I'm I'm upset because I, I was enjoying the, the soap opera of it all, there is something about... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting the job that makes me feel like the soap opera will continue for the, <laughs> yeah. the next six months. But the... Um, the soap opera is over for Mourinho, yes. as is his 895-day stay yes. in a £600-a-night hotel. He spent over <laughs> half a million pounds on staying in a hotel. Which, no, I was talking to someone about this today. What, did, uh, did he drive a house? Because the house would cost... Yes, that's, so I don't... Why yeah, do but you, you can do sell it? a house. Yeah, true. I looked on the website of the hotel, and was like, it's not... It's not even that like swanky. But how like, do you ever feel comfortable living in a hotel? It's bizarre. Like, if you yeah, go I to a hotel I, for a week, you feel awkward. I agree. That it's, is, it's weird. It's just weird. Tour bikes, <laughs> unicycles, living in a hotel for two and a half years. They're, they're, <laughs> my, they're my list of top three today. All right, let's move on. Um, what other games do you want to talk about from last week? Can we please mention Delefeo's goal for Watford? Yes. So Watford played Cardiff and won three-two. Watford with a three-nil up, and Watford looked brilliant. And then had a mild heart attack. But Delefeo's goal was excellent. He's looking quite skinny again too. He is. He's lost a bit of weight. <laughs> he's obviously putting the effort in, which is good. Because all he needs to do is put the effort in. Like The, the thing about Delefeo is, on his good days, he's the best footballer in the world. The problem is, he has one good day every five. I've well, put on the um, running order, is Delefeo the best shit player? Like, is he the best when he's the best? But he's also really shit. Like, I would put like... Aaron Lennon or Mark Albrighton in the same bracket like they can be brilliant one day and then fuck they're awful the, be- the best description I, I've read about him after the goal was like if he played like that most of the time he'd still play for Barcelona yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, the thing is he doesn't which is why we're blessed to have him at Watford yeah. but when he does and I'm glad it's not your own club you know when you watch him and you support mm. the club he plays for it's infuriating 
But then, you know, when you watch the Watford highlights, you're like, well, bingo. That is, I love but watching I it every three weeks. He's been pretty good this year, though. I think maybe there's a bit of consistency there. Uh, I think he's been, definitely been one of their better players, and mm. it was was a cracking goal. Did you have your head in your hands thinking, pass it, pass <laughs> it, come on to the left, to the left. And then you watch it like, oh, <laughs> you know what you're doing. He had a few opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a new feature last week, which was uh, ones to watch. Ones to watch. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff's better at the uh, sound bites. It sounds remarkably similar to the nation's thing. <laughs> it's uh, completely different. <laughs> I've, only got, I've only got one voice. Um, but there was a guy playing centre midfield for Watford called King Quina? Quina? Um, Quinoa. Quinoa. Yeah. <laughs> Quinoa. Um, Q-U-I-N-A. I don't know how to pronounce Quina. it. Quina. Um, but Ke- he's... Definitely Quina. Portuguese. Um, he's 19. And Watford signed him from West Ham last year for a million. And he didn't play a game for West Ham. He started the last two games for Watford, and from every report, they're just saying he's brilliant. Like he's winning the ball, wow. he's quick, he can run with the ball, and he scored at the weekend. And so, I, one to watch. I saw that goal, and I thought, John, you jammy bastard! Yeah. You, you look like you know what you're talking about now. You, you <laughs> I like, mentioned this to you last week. Yeah, yeah. highlighted him as a one to watch, and then suddenly he goes pow! Like, oh my god! And West Ham getting rid of him for a million—that seems a bit odd because that's like for a player with potential, that doesn't seem like very much money. No, that's, that's why I don't rate Pellegrino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Watford looked really good. Uh, another team that looked really good at the weekend were West Ham. Whilst we, we talk about we're West going Ham, we're going to talk about the rest of that game. The fact that they nearly um, shit themselves and let Cardiff back in. I quite like that Cardiff just showed a bit of scrap at the end. Scored two really bad goals, but nearly ran over Almost. the top of them. Oh, I think, their second goal, Hewlett's goal, Hoy- goal, goal was cracking. Sorry, yeah, I was thinking of Bobby Reid's one. Yeah. But I, I think Warnock, I re- completely wrote Cardiff off at the start of the year. And I still think they've got by far the weakest squad in the league and they'll go down. But I'll tell you what, in recent weeks, they've he's got them playing and he's got them getting some results. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, um, who goes there this weekend? Man United. Uh, Man United. The new Man United. Well, well, you know, it's not an, a... Oh, no, we're smashing. We've got a new coach. 8-0. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, sorry, you were jumping into... Yeah, I, I just think that um, West Ham are up to ninth in the table. Same points as Watford and Everton. We absolutely destroyed them in the first half of this year. Mm. And rightly so, they looked woeful, had no plan. They had a real, real tough run of fixtures. The good thing about having fixtures like that is once you get them out of the way early, they've got a really generous run of fixtures. Whilst everyone else is, is shit-fighting around each other, yeah. they've won, what, three, four in a row now? Four in a row now. And who's been reborn but Robert Snodgrass yeah. Yeah. who is the most Cameron Jerome type player I've ever known yeah. like didn't he have a good spell at um, it was a hole. A hole he had a good he, few weeks at Hull or something. Yeah. so there, there, is a, there is a caliber of player well, I'm sure we've spoken about it before there's a caliber of player that's just too good for the championship yeah. just not good enough for the Premier League so th- they thrive after they've got promotion in the summer yeah. before the league starts. That's their window. Where they're just in pre-season yeah. having been the best player in the championship. Dwight Gale, Cameron yeah. Jerome, Robert Snodgrass. They are all yes. right there. Yeah. And as soon as they, they do, they get relegated again, they'll get sold to the best team in the championship. <laughs> and they'll just go up and, and down. And do the same again. But what ha- what's happened to him at West Ham is in the last four weeks, he's become a player. He's scoring goals from distance. He's he's his link up play is great. He looks like he's lost weight. Like he looks dynamic. Do you know you know he's, you say he's lost weight? He gave a theory for why he put weight loads of weight on last year. He was on loan at Villa, but he was still living uh, near West Ham, and so he was driving the commute every day. And um, he was buying service station food. Like, Are you serious? Yeah. And, and like, just don't. Don't, don't do yeah. that. Don't. He's like, oh, because the commute was so bad, I kept stopping service stations and buying shit food. I, I love that it took him to not commute to realise that was what was yeah. putting weight on. Yeah, it's not the smartest but, program. You, um, you, we talked about it when they were going through their bad run, though, that they were going to have a better run and probably do all right. I mean, I think the other thing to point out is they're doing this without clearly their best player. In and out of it, she's been out for a few games now, and like Chicharito scoring goals again. Anderson looks like a real player. Um, we've talked about Declan Rice. Yarmolenko's injured, and they're still doing it. I, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think they'll be in that um, bracket of tenth to sixth. I despair, really. <laughs> Why is this another one in the Everton log jam? Or... No, and it's not. It's not tall bikes or. 
or that Band-Aid Christmas song yeah. um, or other things that are currently doing my head in. I, I feel like sometimes we have no clue what we're talking about. Because, well, I look at the Premier League table and I think, what are Watford doing there? What are West Ham doing there? Newcastle are 14. What do you mean, what are West Ham doing there? We picked West Ham to finish there. I I, I didn't. At the beginning of the year, I was like, he's going to get the sack after nine games. I I just feel, I sometimes look at that and I think, well, if if it was in Jeff's world, Leicester would be doing better, Wolves would be doing worse. Watford would be doing worse. Newcastle would be bottom of the league. And then suddenly I looked at Cardiff, are sitting pretty in 16th. I sometimes question whether we know anything. And that's the joy of football. What we did do is all predict Man United to not come in the top four this year. And we're looking very good for that. But that's the joy of football, isn't it? You just don't know what's going to happen. And it has all squeezed up a bit as well. And one of the other games where you didn't expect anything to happen, which ruins your bet, Rog, is Southampton beat Arsenal. So Danny Ings. The rabbit hutch coach. Um, has made something happen. Did you hear what they did before the game? Uh, they gave for the free beers before free beers or after? Every fan. I so thought that was after they won. No, so it's before the game right. to create a better atmosphere. He's like, getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, smart move. But he gave everyone a beer voucher. So everyone who had a ticket gets a beer voucher, you go and get a free beer. What if you want me kids? Well, you'd have a soft drink. You, can you, drink, drink. Wait, you, you can still drink beer if you're there with your kids. You can. No, or what about your kids? They can have a soft drink. Can you have their beers? <laughs> Don't know. What? I mean, this is a fair question. No, if, a I bring, question. If, I bring, if I bring my kid, I want two beers. No. Um, I borrow some kids. <laughs> Do they know in advance? Could they plan it? Oh, God. I... Get the SUV out. Dan, Danny Ings looked good in this. Yeah, he looked really good. Um, looked a threat. And scored a couple of really good goals. But I just think that Southampton, like we're talking about coaches and changing the atmosphere and stuff, and Mark Hughes is a pretty negative coach and man um, and there seems like there was a fight in the team and it seemed like the coach has got them going we actually want to play we've got a plan um, Nathan Redman yeah. came out afterwards and it's like oh it's amazing like we did training and we were told where to go in defence oh and no <laughs> it was really like pointedly like Mark Hughes did nothing. He's a terrible coach. He is, yeah. like you said, watching Southampton defend. I think your words were, if Southampton learn how to defend um, corners, they'll be fine. Yeah. Because they just, Mark Hughes does not have any idea he, about coaching. The best bit of that game from a football perspective, I'd say, was um, Charlie Austin's cross for the third goal. Uh, Shane Long. Was that Shane Long? Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, John, that was Shane Long. Oh, I, I reckon he was probably having a shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give, give him the benefit of the doubt yeah. because that chipped, lofted pass yeah. that was on a sixpence. It was Abs- right on the... When the keeper, keeper couldn't get it. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And it was it, who scored it? Was it Charlie Austin scored Charlie it? Charlie Austin scored yeah. it. Yeah. And the, he barely had to jump to head yeah, that ball in. It was in. absolutely yeah. beautiful. Ah, it's a, it's great if goal. any coach can make Shane Long look good, he's a genius. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of other games I wanted to touch on. Palace got their first win without Wilf Saha for the first time in two, two years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what Jeff bet on. So I think you can guarantee that whatever Jeff bets on, the opposite will happen. That um, really was like if that was ever a test of your betting. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, but like that is it. Like that's you've got a hell of a hex there. If, if, if Crystal Palace can win without uh, there's some issues. And the last game before we go on to Champions League and the League Cup, Man City beat Everton um, pretty comfortably again, really. Mm. But that first goal that uh, Man City scored Pickford passes it to Mina right next to the box and then Mina just hoofs it upfield hopefully and Man City grab it it was like when you're playing Man City you don't want to do that That's the, this is the problem with, with Man City so you can play well and I'm not saying this is an example of Everton because I, I think Everton were fine and Man, right, and Man yeah. City were better you can play well against Man City and get beat 4-0 yeah. And that is because you give them a single chance and they score. And if you give Watford or Fulham a chance, they're not going to score it. You have to give them six chances and then they'll get a goal. I mean, what yeah, Liverpool had 26 chances against Manchester United yeah. and they only scored three. Yeah. You give Man City a chance and they score. And the first chance they really had, you know, Mina misplaced a pass yeah. and Man City scored. It was like clockwork, which means that you have to be immaculate against them or 
very, very lucky to, to have them be having in one of those days where they hit the post and the bar all the time, just like Wolves did at the beginning of the season. It's really hard to do. I quite enjoyed um, Calvert Lewin's goal as well because he goes to head it, but it kind shoulder. of comes off his shoulder yeah. and loops in. So he like runs off like, yeah, that was great. You're like, no, typical, um, typical Calvert Lewin goal. Quick nod to uh, Jesus as well, the um, his birthday Man City striker. In that his mum's come over. Yes, and he's um, he's obviously scored a couple of goals. He's been a bit of goal drought, but apparently he's feeling happier having his family here. But I actually, it's not very often Pep Guardiola makes a mistake. I think that he really made a mistake against Chelsea by not playing a striker. I don't think that Sterling is a false nine. Mm. Um, I think Sterling and Sane are the best wingers, wingers yeah. in the league, particularly playing together. I yeah. think they're so because they're both so quick. And having that on both sides is so difficult to defend mm. against. And I think that you just play them there. And then I think you play a striker up front. And he didn't do that against Chelsea. And then I thought it made all the difference against Everton. Suddenly put Jesus in there. And they have a focal point in the attack. And he you know, he works hard and stuff as well. Got his goals. And um, I, I mean, I wonder whether he's learned his lesson. And that's... He won't... He's back. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go have a look at the Champions League draw. Um, is there any games that uh, scream out to you? Spurs. Well, Spurs Dortmund. I'm just excited to see Sancho. Yeah. Because like, I haven't really, you know, we talk about him a lot, but you don't actually get to see him. I'm like in a heavyweight Champions League tie, and I, you know, there's all, I've got a lot of English interest in Spurs too. Yeah. But seeing Sancho in one of those big games, I'm really excited for And him. Dortmund plays similar football to Spurs. Like, it's high pressing, fast, attacking. So it's going to be. Brilliant two games, I reckon. Yeah, cracking time. No idea who's going to win. Um, I've got a sneaky feeling that Atletico might do one on Juventus, and I really hope they do, just because of Ronaldo. My money's on a red card in that game. <laughs> That's a good idea. Because <laughs> that, that is going to be a filthy game of football. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be ugly, defensive, angry. I think uh, Ajax-Real Madrid will be a good game. And now usually you'd put this one down absolutely Real Madrid win without blinking but Ajax this year have, have been yeah. playing some really inspirational yeah. stuff they they play football that's very similar to Man City's football um, but a bit more direct yeah. uh, didn't they win 9-0 the other day yeah I think so yeah. and obviously Real Madrid are a little less formidable than they were last year so perfect time to, to have this tie that will be good football yeah and Liverpool buying. That, like that's a monster game. That's a as well. proper big game, yeah. isn't it? I mean, what I like about this stage of the Champions League is I don't really pay attention to the group phase that much. Like yeah. I got, you know, for me, it's still all about the Premier League. Yeah. And suddenly it gets to the knockout round, and you're like, well, hold on, there's some juicy games here. <laughs> like these teams, are, these teams are pretty good. Like, and you look at the the games that have come up, and there's a few there that are really. I mean, Man City have lucked out. Um, but the yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm the Man United PSG one. I couldn't give a shit to be honest. I'm probably <laughs> more, slightly more interested now, but I hate both of them. So it's yeah. but yeah, the Liverpool Bayern. I mean, Bayern are a bit down this year, but that's not going to be easy for. Maybe Liverpool will be favourites, but um, but yeah, those and I think those games we've highlighted would be great. But they're not until February March time. So by then, everyone could have lost their form, signed new players, and Man United could be managed by. Zidane. Zidane. <laughs> um, the League Cup happened last night as well, and the night before. Man City scraped through on penalties against Leicester. Yeah, but pa- you've got to doth your cap to Kevin De Bruyne's goal. I was going to say, have you seen I it? I haven't seen oh, any highlights. Yeah, you've got to watch it. Oh, oh, really? He's back, and it is a brilliant It goal. is oh, really? pure <laughs> juice. <Yeah. laughs> it really is oozing. The little trick. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. So, do you want me to describe yeah, it? Yeah, Let me talk you through. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's outside the penalty area on the left, mm-hmm. um, running into two defenders who are getting really tight with him. He does something that I've not seen before <laughs> in many a year. Uh, just kind of flicks the ball back with his with his left leg to go under his right leg to create a little bit of space. Like yeah. uh, completely does two defenders for for sausages. Yeah. Uh, is that even a phrase? Yeah. They send them for pies. <laughs> and, then, and then punts it with his right foot, low and hard. It is no ab- back lift. Like, yeah, wow. absolutely zero back lift. And then it flies in the bottom corner before the keeper's got near it. And you're like, oh, De Bruyne is back. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about him. <laughs> like, he's he's their best he, player as well. He plays for <laughs> Absolute genius. And you're like, oh, and he looks chuffed with it too. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. If you've not seen it, Google it. 
Awesome. And Man City played Burton in the semi-final, so Burton beat Middlesbrough. Good on you, Burton. Good on them, but they're going to get smashed, aren't they? I don't know. Nigel Clough's their manager. It's, it's a two-legged yeah. tie, isn't it? This morning. Two-legged tie in the League yeah. Cup semis? Well, that's so a bit ridiculous, could isn't be it? 12-0 by the end of two games, I reckon. No, the Burton will um, get the forks out on their pitch. And turn, <laughs> turn it okay, it'll be devil's advocate here on the side of Burton. But remember, didn't Bristol City get... Uh, oh, City steady on, we're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Bristol City get Man City last year, and it was quite an exciting set of games. Yes, yeah. yes it was. So, yeah. you know, there's something we in there. We lost by the odd goal. And going yeah. away to Burton, I mean, it's been a while since Sane has been been to Burton yeah. yeah I don't think he's ever been to Burton <laughs> or, or Jesus and his mum it's yeah. like gone to Burton where's Jesus she going to sit he's back in the sausage stand do you reckon his mum's called Mary oh um, and then Tottenham and Chelsea got through um, do you say Deli Ali scored a good goal oh Deli Ali so two, there were two moments in the game this morning at the Spurs Arsenal derby where you're like Deli Ali is a very, very good footballer. Mm. And I think he's the, he played um, number 10 today behind a front two. Um, and he just found these pockets of space. I think he is at his best when he doesn't think too much and he can be instinctive. There were two moments in that the um, keeper punted it out for the first goal. Long ball. Um, there was a tangle, Lucas Moura tangled with one of the Arsenal players and the ball just dropped to Dele Alli. Mm. Now, I think nine times out of ten, this situation would have just ended in nothing. But he saw a pass that very few players can see, like swivelled and smashed it first time straight into Sun's run. He was in on goal and it was a goal. And you're yeah. like, wow. And then the second goal, he just timed his run brilliantly. But it was like, you know when you on FIFA and... Like scoring a chip is quite hard, <laughs> yeah. and but when you get it right and it's oh, like perfect and, you're so like, and it's kind of like slow motion. Deli Ali's goal was like that. Like he controls it and then it's just this little dink with the outside of his foot into the corner, and it's like everything just slowed down. Yeah, for a minute, and just... it wasn't even the. So he was slightly left of goal, and you'd yeah. think you'd chip it with your yeah. left. He chipped it on the half volley as it was coming up from its bounds with the outside, outside of, his, of right his right foot. foot. Oh, wow. But it would like the it was. The delicatest yeah. dink, and it was just you. You like you're watching it in real time, but it's like it slows down. You're like that. You know yeah. when it's a bit good when it does. Very that. good. Yeah. Um, can we... I can I just say that um, I'm going to go on record because this is a podcast and is recorded. Yes. That within five years' time, Delhi Alley will be at Bayern Munich. Wow. That's an odd cool. call. Why buy Munich? That's just what I think. Okay. All right. Well, well, well it's, it's it's on the record. It's on the record. Um, I won Spurs as well. Just to, we talked about yeah. them briefly earlier on. Um, so I've been I was feeling quite smug when I suddenly read this article because I feel, I said at the start of the year I think very much this is a two horse race. Yeah. It's going to be everyone else's. Uh, um, you know, by the wayside, it'll be Liverpool and Man City, and I think Liverpool will be close this year. And it seems lately as if that's the case; they've stretched a bit clear. But then I had a look, and Spurs' next nine games are all very winnable. So Spurs could get twenty-seven points from the next nine games, and City and Liverpool have a few tough games in that spell. Spurs also have a lot of home games in the second half of the season because they played. They waited all their away games at the start because they yep. weren't going to have a stadium, the which they still stadium. don't. So they could have won a lot of winnable games and then a lot of home games. And Imagine boost, that if we get a three-horse race. And, they, and the boost of the new stadium too. Yeah. So the the energy that provides. And Pochettino will want to win the league before he moves to Man United. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's quickly move on to next week's games before we go on side stories. So um, Everton Spurs is next week. Predictions. I think Spurs will win, yeah. Everton are good Everton, at home. Yeah, I just feel like Spurs will get a result. I think that since the Merseyside derby, Everton haven't clicked in the same way as they were clicking prior to that. So the games before the derby, you know, people were building them up as going actual contenders in that game. Mm. And they played very well in that game. But losing that, I think the two games after that have been... Uh, uh, the performances have dropped. And I think... Everton struggle to score goals. They create chances and struggle to score goals. And I don't think that there is within the squad a resolution to that problem. I think in January, Everton will buy a striker and they'll move Richarlison back to the left. And I think it'll be a different second half of the season. So uh, 
I think Spurs are going to win that game because they are a well-oiled machine and Everton are still a work in progress. Um, I've also put down Wolves and Liverpool as one to watch because I think it's going to be a good game because Wolves have done well against the big teams and, and, and have found a bit of form recently. Like they were in. It's funny, like we talked about uh, earlier, just Jeff was saying when we don't know what we're talking about and the league changing around a bit. But Wolves run a dire run of form. Hadn't won in what was it? They lost Five six in a row or something. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden they've now won three in a row again. And they're up to back up to seventh, yeah. and so it can all change very quickly. But yeah, I think that's a bit of a danger game for Liverpool. That one. And then there's a couple of big games in the relegation: Newcastle, Fulham, and Huddersfield Saints, which are just going to be awful to watch. I don't bother. But I could. Like, Fulham need a win. Newcastle win that one there. Fulham are one win off being safe, not being in the bottom three, and that, yeah. that says how tight the league is. Um, side stories. Has anyone got any uh, side stories you want to share? No, no. I've got one. Um, I want to talk about the Turkish league. Um, if I said Turkish league football to you, could you name any clubs? Yeah. Who, who would you name? Galatasaray first, probably. Yeah. Fenerbahce. Yeah. Brantaspor. Genabalici. Yeah. Um, so there's like three or four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's the same. So the Turkish league was the Super League as it's known now was set up in 1959. And in that whole time it's existed, only five people have won the title or teams. So Galatasaray have won it 21 times, Fenerbahce 19, Besiktas 15, Trabzonspor 6, and Bursapor Bursapor once. So they're only five teams. Fenerbahce have been in the start. They've never been relegated. They are one position off the bottom of the league this season. Wow. Wow. They had Philip Koku as their coach um, this year. And then they fired him, and now they have Erwin Koeman, Ronald Koeman's, who is his assistant um, brother, as their coach. And it's all gone wrong, and they might get relegated for the first time ever. So it's all kicking off. In their team, they have Adebayor, wow. Gleeshi, and uh, Emre. Do you remember Emre? Played for Newcastle. Yeah. yeah he's 38 years old. <laughs> wow. Um, so I just thought it was interesting they're in a complete mess oh, and they started with um, Slomani and Skirtle up front what Skirtle the back, hell is going on yes so they're in a mess um, also I watched a bit of Turkish League highlights by accident <laughs> not by choice and someone scored I was like oh, I recognise them who's that Hugo Rodelega no he's wow. still playing for Trabzonspor so that was my how old is Hugo Rodelega I don't know so it's kind watched. of like a graveyard of um, ex Premier League, yes. <laughs> just slowly <laughs> disappearing down a rabbit hole. Um, I I did uh, see something that was quite interesting uh, this week. So there's been a lot of talk about Mourinho, and there's been a lot of talk about the difference between Manchester United and Liverpool, and you know how we view the clubs. And someone went to the effort of listing all of the events that have happened since. Jurgen Klopp moved to Liverpool and hasn't won a single trophy. And I thought it was quite an interesting list. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. I, I, I can't go this long into the pod without a little bit of Liverpool bashing. So it feels, yeah. feels safe. So since Jurgen Klopp joined Liverpool and hasn't won a trophy, Louis van Gaal joined Man United, won a trophy and left. Enrique joined Barcelona, won the treble and left. Zidane joined Madrid, won the Champions League three times and left. Ranieri joined Leicester, won the league, left, and has returned to the Premier League for his third club since Leicester. Conte joined Chelsea, won the league and the FA Cup, and left. Pep Guardiola won the Bundesliga, left, won the Premier League, won the Football League Cup. Wenger won the FA Cup and left. Mourinho came, won three trophies, and left. That's quite good. So it is weird, isn't it? (laughs) It is weird. But I think, I mean, maybe that's like what you were talking about in terms of it's now been so long since Liverpool have had success that they don't have you don't have the same standards and they believe that they're getting close for the, which I think they are but I mean that it, and that's good enough yeah your standards change yeah, yeah. it's exactly right um, one last thing before we go on to end feature um, we've been talking about like how Man United's been run as a club and what needs to change and what needs to improve 
If you want to get some insight on how to not run a club, watch the Netflix Sunderland documentary. <laughs> I've only watched the first two episodes, but it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It is just an utter disaster. And uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Which season was it? It's last season. So it's when they get relegated from the Premier League. And the first two episodes, the first episode starts in a church with a man, with a priest praying for the football club and they're all there in their shirts praying for this club and they all think they're going to return straight away to the Premier League and they've all got this hope around them and they're going to do this amazing and watching it knowing how wrong it goes it's amazing oh, yeah, oh, Did, didn't they I'm have looking a, forward to that didn't <laughs> they do a documentary when Peter Reid was yes Lund? yeah 20 years ago so is that why they did one last year yeah like, why well, they just wanted like the chief executive is the guy that kind of wanted to do the documentary because I think he was recently into the club and was going to be like look at me how I'm going to get this club promoted again and he's got a massive ego and it was going to be like this whole thing about how it goes brilliantly for him and it just goes wrong <laughs> I, yeah I'd, I'd like to watch that I it? absolutely love it I can't yeah. wait to watch that yeah. so it's a good Christmas binge I reckon and I, I don't even hate Sunderland I just like failure yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, talking of failure, should we go on to end feature? Have you got a song for us, Jeff? <laughs> oh, good one. Is that new? Yeah, it goes up. Oh, yeah, it goes, up. goes up this week. Um, so in last week's end feature, I won. So it's my second win in three weeks. I bet on Watford and Wolves. Jeff, you lost again um, because Palace did <laughs> won for the first time in two and a half years without Wilfred Zaha. And Roger, you lost because you bet on Arsenal to beat Southampton. Yeah. So, what are you going for this week? Can I just say that I haven't won in 13 weeks? I think no, 14. 14. <laughs> <laughs> and you've won once all season. Last year I was the winner, wasn't I? Yes. Last year I was tip Is that real? You can't yeah. live on past results. It's true, I'm like United. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, okay, so this week I am going to keep it simple and bet on Watford to beat West Ham. Oh, wow. that's it. I'd say it's a controversial. Talk, you just talked up West Ham for the last yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, well, I put my bet before I convinced you of good ideas. So I already laid that. So I always say that I should do my bet after oh, we've had a good now. hour-long yes. solid talk about football when good ideas come up. Because that's my problem. The amount of times I'm like, I convince you all of a thing and then my bet's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fucking, and yeah, then I'll a, always lose there, my bet. There's a running theme here. Yeah. <laughs> So my, my $10 is on Watford to beat West Ham. <laughs> well, I'm not confident about that. <laughs> no, right. uh, well, I've just kept it topical. Um, and I've bet on Paul Pogba to score a goal and Man United to win against Cardiff. What? Good bet. Yeah. What's it paying? 420 That's a nice bet, I reckon. We're going to win 8 I, I just Well, I just feel like I don't particularly like Pogba. Um yeah. I don't know. There's a Twitter thing. I don't know if it was real or not. But I'm like Adidas thing. Yeah, Pogba is the kind of player that will come out after something else has happened and play and score a goal and be brilliant and and do so. Like he's just that. He's that kind of character. I think. But you know, if that happens, if United play really, really well, I hate them even more. Yeah. Oh. Because because I feel like if that means that they chose they they. No, I don't. I don't they I don't, were it's complicit not in this in this poor performance. Oh, but like I said earlier, it's about the fact they've been bullied for two and a half years. The Chelsea players they won the league, and then all were just like, "This is horrible," and they were fourteenth, and they hated their life so much that they just wanted the guy out of the club. Mourinho goes, they win the league. Two it, years it, I don't think it's necessarily a conscious choice always yeah. like, I think if you get down in a rut so much and you are unhappy and I think that all those players around that club at the moment are unhappy I think some of them do have overinflated egos and yeah. I agree well, that, all that, 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 that doesn't help but I think that there does come a point where if you're so unhappy then sometimes all it does take is someone else to go in and that kind of that breaks and then you can you can function as a. So you think Lukaku is going to be twenty stone lighter, and Pogba is going to be creative. I think his first touch is going to be amazing at the weekend. <laughs> Suddenly, I just don't think Cardiff are that good, and I think Pogba will score a penalty. Um, I have bet on Sunderland to beat Huddersfield because Sunderland I've, Southampton to beat Huddersfield. It's <laughs> got Sunderland on the brain. Uh, no, Aaron Moy. Uh, yes, no Aaron Moy for Huddersfield. They can't score a goal, and Southampton have found a. Bit of form under Rabbit Hutchman. Do you know Huddersfield had seventy three 
percent possession last week, which is the highest possession stat ever, and like lost. And lost to Newcastle. No, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they just kept the ball and just passed it along the back. How's the old, uh, the old pile of dirt mound boy going at Newcastle? Oh, he's just having a little break at the moment. He'll be back. Is he? Is he playing? He's injured. Oh, he's injured. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that's Mutu. Mutu. Japanese striker Mutu. Yeah. Um, And then I've also bet on West Ham and Watford, um, but I've just bet on both teams to score and there to be over two and a half goals in the game. That is fence-sitting, John. Fence-sitting. So that'll pay $5.44 for those two. Big bucks. Um, so that's our bets for the week. Has anyone got anything else before we go? I wish I was in England right now. It's Christmas. I'm looking I get so the... excited about all the Christmas football when you, you're like, you know, it just comes thick and fast and you're a bit full of Christmas food and you're drinking too much, but they're like, it's all right because there'll be another Premier League game soon. <laughs> it's just such a, such a good time to be watching football. It is. There's going to be a lot of football over the next couple of weeks. Mm. We will be back in the shed at some point soon. Um, we're not sure exactly when. <coughs> um, Jeff, you got anything before we go? No. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, <laughs> no more whinges about unicycles. Um, we will be back in the shed. Yeah, at some point over Christmas, we'll let you know when. You did remind me of those tall bikes, though. So that, oh, like, they're so annoying. I've got my eye out for those. Push them over. <laughs> Off you go in front of a bus. Oh, that's a shame. You shouldn't be riding a tall bike, should you, novice? <laughs> Oh, I should have brought it up. If you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, find us on social media, just search footballshed. And don't forget, leave us a review, a review, tell your mates, and we'll be back soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.